So you see here, I'd like to continue a little from what Stephen was talking about. Because, I mean, I have heard him talk about care before, but this morning I thought he was quite good myself. I don't know what you thought. <laughs> and I thought there was a few points about careful and caring, about engagement and letting go, energy and guarding, and the path and the pathway. I thought all this was kind of very interesting point to look at in our practice. But I'm not exactly to do this this way. So what I'm going to do is to look at care and look at these various points through a different framework. Because I think in, you can notice this in various traditions, even mm. within Buddhist traditions, there is kind of various points you can look in different ways. And so what I like to look at is at this three attitudes which are, we've been told in the Zen tradition to cultivate. Great faith, great courage, and great questioning. And for me that's where, in a way, the idea of care of Apamada meets with this idea of the practice in there. This idea of cultivating faith, courage, and questioning. And within that, I will bring the other point that Stephen mentioned. And so faith, faith I think is very, in a way to me, I would say that sitting in meditation is actually an act of faith. The fact that you come here, the fact that you sit here, to me seems to say, I have faith. I have faith in my potential, I have faith in my Buddha nature, I have faith in my ability to do this, in my ability to actually go beyond what limits me, what stops me, what sometimes, of course we feel stuck, but it's not because we feel stuck, we don't see that at all the time we are not stuck. We actually can feel quite free, quite open, quite spacious, quite creative, quite compassionate. And to me this is what faith is very much part of that, in a way, that ground of meditation, the ground of the path, in the fact that we really have this faith in our potential and also in the value which we cherish and we want to cultivate. And then there is courage. I think courage <coughs> is very essential because it, it comes back to that part of care which was energy. That in a way courage is what gives us energy, will give us enthusiasm, but also courage is what will, I think, help us to go beyond our limitations, to also help us to let go. I think we need to have a certain energy. We need that kind of movement in order to be able to go beyond, to let go. And then there is the aspect of questioning. Stephen briefly mentioned it, but I think it's very much the fact that when we meditate, when we walk on the meditative path, I think we need to use, we need to kind of actually we experience at the same time as we use it, the fact that we, our being, our body-mind, our heart has this ability to be vibrant, to be alert, to be vivid. And I think this is an important part of meditation, is to cultivate that ability within us, that vibrancy, that vividness, that alertness, 
which then in a way lead to this clarity and I think very much help us with the letting go. I am somewhat known for using kind of thing in daily life. And this time, I hope I won't bore you too much, but the example I'm going to use will be from my travel in Korea. Because I went to Korea after uh, 12 years I had not been there, and before that I left in 85. And so I might use a lot of this example because I thought they were quite vivid. So faith. Faith, I think, is very much faith in our own potential, in our ability. And what is interesting with faith, as we practice, is that actually the practice gives us a glimpse of what we are faith in. That as we practice, we experience, we have a glimpse of this experience of our potential. But we not start, we open, we spacious, we suddenly surprise ourselves. I think not only during a meditation retreat, but I think also outside of a meditation retreat. We suddenly see, ah, I am not stuck there anymore. There seems to have been some movement. So I think in faith, there is a faith in ourselves, but also there is an experience of what that faith is about, which I think is a two very much component of the practice. And when I was in Korea, that was one of the first things, I was, it really kind of uh, touched me, was that I, through a friend, I suddenly, one of my worries was that I was going to Korea and I was going to suffer. But because I was going to have to sleep on the floor, which I can't do anymore, I was going to have to sit on the floor and I was not going to be able to shower for 20 days. Anyway. It's to its own fear. <coughs> anyway, this did not happen whatsoever. I was able to stay with a friend of mine who had a bed and a mattress and a shower. But what I found beautiful staying with my friend was actually, she was long ago, she was a supporter of the foreign monks. So I know her for 30 years before she got married. And now she is this very traditional housewife who every morning gets up at 6 o'clock to cook a full meal for her son and her husband. Very Korean. You know, they need to eat rice, kimchi and all that in the morning before they go to work and to school. And she then she was telling me her days, because in Korea at the moment, it's meditation retreat in all the temples. So they meditate for three months, 10 to 12 hours a day. And because of she has to take care of her husband and her son, then she can't go on this retreat. But then she, at this time, she does a retreat herself. Which means that every morning, she gets up at 4 o'clock. And she does a chanting. And then she does her meditation. And then she goes and cooks her rice. Then she sends her men off. And then she goes back to meditation. After watching a little of the news to see what the weather is like. <laughs> And this she does for the three months. And you know, and I was so to me this was faith. This was faith in the practice, faith in herself, in our potential to do that. Although she could not go to a place like Gaia House, she could actually do this at home. And home 
is the second floor of this huge apartment building in a forest of apartment building of the same nature. Seoul is full of this apartment building. And to me this in a way uh, nerves of my face actually to know that she is in her little apartment building getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do her meditation. In the same way that here we will get up a little later <laughs> to do our meditation. And so to me this is faith. This is kind of really an expression of kind of within one's circumstances, having the faith that I can do this in a way wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I can fit it in my life. And I think this is very important that of course we come here and we have very special circumstances. But I think during the, the week we are actually training ourselves so that we can take that faith that practice back in our daily life, that it be in an apartment block or wherever we might find ourselves. So I would say that when you come on retreat, actually what you're doing is actually living your faith in yourself, in your potential. And it's also in a way engaging with the practice. As Stephen said, the care that he was talking about is about a definite engagement. Because I think often we think, oh, it would be so nice to meditate. But as long as you think about it, nothing will happen. I mean, that's the thing with practice. Nobody can do it for you. So in a way, you have to do it. And so in a way, you come here. And by coming to Gaia House, I would say you're letting go of your outside circumstances. So there is this engagement, and also this letting go. You kind of in a way have the courage to let go of everything and then come here for a week just to practice in silence. But then, in a way, I think we need to have the further faith and practice of the letting go of what is inside, what is within us, which creates obstacles. Because I think we can let go of outside and it's, I would presume for a day or two you still have the outside conditions with you but then they will in a way fade away and you will really settle here, be here and really benefit from the environment but then what you start to see arise is in a way our inner kind of blockage our inner limitation the way we look at ourselves the way we are with ourselves and in a way, all these things, these sensations, these feelings, these thoughts, which seems to block our path. And it seems to me that then you have to have a further faith that you can go beyond that. That you, although it feels like you're stuck within them, actually you have the possibility to go beyond them. And I would say, I would predict fairly surely that during the retreat at some point, you will experience this glimpse of your potential, of this openness, of this spaciousness. But in a way there will be, I think, back and forth during the retreat of this, the letting go happening by itself and then you trying to make it happen. And I think in a way this is a little, what I would call the battle of a retreat. When suddenly it happens and you don't know how it happens, that 
things are just as they are, and then when nothing is happening as you want them to be. And I think this is in a way where faith is so important to help us when it seems like I am sitting against the wall. There seems to be some kind of blockage, even when I am here now. And there is another thing that in a way touched me when I was in Korea. And this was to go to this place. I had heard about it a, lo- a lot before, but never been there. But I knew where it was. And the way I figured it is that there was this temple, and it was close to the sea. Because there is a famous beach in the southern town in Korea called Pusan. And there was a beach I used to go every year. It was so beautiful. You have all this sand and it's huge. And it was very wild and very few building and construction. And here somebody takes me there 20 years later. And I can't believe it. Because there is a mountain, a little mountain, little hill, hill of more, with a forest there. Then there is a temple, a very traditional looking temple with the pagodas and with the fancy roofs and everything. And you have the monks. And when I get there, there is the monks doing their walking meditation. So they're going round the... So in Korea, you walk fast. They're going round and round the temple, you know, with the master doing their walking meditation. And then, when I turn away from looking at them walking, there is a terrace, and there, you do not see the sea whatsoever, because what you see is this conglomerate, this amazing view of buildings and sign and everything, and you can't see the sea whatsoever. And in this place, you have monks who come to do their three-month retreat, about 40 to 50 of them, and also it's a place for lay people. And that day was a Saturday, and so I could see all these lay people coming to do a night sitting and the next Sunday sitting. So they would spend their whole night and all day sitting and walking in meditation. And to me this was amazing. This was, I mean, they could have gone to beautiful places in the mountains, many beautiful places in Korea. But they choose to be here, in this place where in a way you are in the midst of modernity. You could not be more in the midst of technology and modernity. And in a way, to have the faith, to, to sit within that. And I think to me, it gives me really the faith to sit. You know, we often complain in the West. You know, ah, if only I went to Asia, I could sit in the mountains with a great master. Well, not necessarily so, you know. And, and for me, it was very inspiring to see their faith, to come and sit all night and all day next to this incredibly noisy, busy city, part of town. And, and, and to have the faith, and so in a way for us, I think we have very the good fortune here at Gaia House to be in nature. And how generally when we come to Gaia House, we say, wow, it's green, it's fresh. And in a way not to forget that we are very fortunate to be for a week in this environment and to really, in a way, be with that, enjoy it while you are in it. But at the same time, not grasping at it, because when you go back home, in a way you have to bring what you have cultivated during this time back in the midst of confusion, of technology, of modernity. 
just in the same way as these people are doing their retreat in the middle of it. So in a way, the faith is not only when we hear, but in a way we have to take the faith back into our own circumstances. Then for me, in terms of having faith, what I think also what I learned during these 20 days is that for a long time I had that thought, till, until recently, that if everything else failed in my life, if, you know, really I don't teach anymore, everything totally failed and I have nothing, then at least I can go to practice in Korea and become a nun again. And what was interesting for me is that now that dream is gone. Because I can't live in Korea anymore. I can't sleep on the floor, I can't sit on the floor. No way. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that I cannot practice. To me this was very important. I could see, because the, the man who kind of, was, the friend who was taking me around said, Oh, do you want to join? You know, the night seat and the next day seat. And I said, well, I would like to. But physically I can't. And they don't allow you to bring like here a chair in the meditation hall. This would be like I mean they're not moved on yet to that kind of modernity. So you still I mean they will not even give you a bench there. You know, so you can't really kind of you have to see the style they sit. And so for me it was in a way to have faith in the fact that although I don't have I cannot sit full leg, I cannot even sit half leg, I cannot even sit period, on the floor, in the traditional manner. But I can still practice. I can still practice with my own circumstances. And so I think what is also important is to have faith in ourselves where we are and how we can practice within our circumstances. And so in a way, being there actually gave me even more faith. Yes, I cannot do it their way. But definitely, I can do it my way. And so in a way, to be careful of what I would call the comparing mind, which sometimes makes you think, well, I can't do it, because the circumstances are not like traditionally or not fitting in this way. Then there is the next aspect of the, the other attitude is courage. And I think courage, in a way, is very important. We, we have the faith, but then, in a way, we need to have the energy that courage will give us. We need to have courage. And then, the day before uh, I left, I went to see, I was exceptionally taken to this temple through typhoon, rain and everything, but we got there. And I wanted to go to this temple because I kept hearing there was four meditation halls in that temple. And there was hundred people, monks sitting there. And I wanted to say, but why four? Why do they need four meditation halls? What are mm. they doing specially in these four different places? So I wanted to go there and see what they were doing. And so I asked them, but what happened? And then when I was told, it was the first one, they sit eight hours. And the next one, they sit ten hours. Then the next one, they sit twelve hours. And then the last one, they sit twenty hours. And so I said, oh, how many in each? And there was about the 
you know, the first one at 30, the next one at 25, the next one at 20, and then the last one at 4. <laughs> so I said, ah! And to me, what was interesting is that, in a way, the courage was adapted to the circumstances. So, you know, the people who fell up to the 8 could go there, then the 10, then the 12, and only 4 people felt up to the 4, and so that's what they were doing. They had the courage to do that. But because the other could not do it, they did not feel bad or guilty or whatever. They just, you know, each person has their own way with courage. So I think, in a way, often we have this very heroic idea about courage. That courage means, in terms of practice, that I sit for three hours non-stop, or I sit all day or all night or whatever. But I think it's very much, in a way, for you during this retreat, what is your courage? The courage you can have. The courage to sit, the courage to walk, the courage to meditate, the courage to be aware in, within your own circumstances. I think this is very vital. At the same time, I was at a conference on Buddhist women. This was a real kind of women's fest, revival meeting, you know thousand women together, 60 speakers for a week. So it was, you know, uh, quite special. And then I met this young woman, and she was part of a new movement in Korea. And they were a group of about 50 people, and they decided to live together, and to meditate together, and on top of it to be ecological, and with a no zero waste agenda, as they live. Not as an idea, but as they live. And she told me, oh, you brought this with some plastic. I can't really eat it. I do not, I do not touch anything which has plastic in it. <coughs> and, and they really kind of, it was interesting to see them because I was asking about their life and what they do again. They get up early in the morning, they meditate. And the women, they live 25 in one room. And the men, there is less men, 15 in one room. And in the daytime, those rooms are used for other activities. And so very much kind of very communal life, very dedicated life. And I would say, in a way, very courageous life, because it goes against everything that is happening around them. And what is interesting with the group is that they don't, so much invite you to be there, but again and again they say, are you sure you want to be here? This is not easy. Do you still have the dedication? Do you still have the courage to do this? And I thought that was interesting, that they want you to really be there because you want to be there, not because you feel forced. So again, a courage, but a courage which comes out of the faith, that this is something they want to dedicate themselves for themselves and for others. So in a way, courage, I think, gives us energy. Gives us energy, gives us movement. And I think at that level, it's important to reflect, what is it that gives me energy? And what is interesting is that I would say, actually, meditation gives us energy. If we really do it, after a little while, I mean, you might feel tired the first day or two, but after a while, actually, it does give us energy because we grasp less. And if we grasp less, then there is less obstacles. And then it's easier to feel creative, to feel energetic. 
And so I think this is another part of the meditation practice, this energy to cultivate it but also to experience it as we do meditation. Also courage is to go beyond. And I would say in a way to go beyond our comfort. And yeah, I know that I was not helped in Korea to go beyond my comfort because all my worry was satisfied. <laughs> but I think sometimes a retreat is an opportunity to go a little beyond what we feel is comfortable. Because I think, in a way, the whole world is here to make us feel comfortable. And that's what, it was interesting to me to, to research the Korean temple and how they were now, 20 years after I left. And one thing I heard again and again and again is that people were becoming more individual and people were becoming more comfortable and because of that it was harder to meditate. And it was interesting that they were saying that. You know, that in a way, and that's one thing that came again and again. We are more comfortable and because we're more comfortable it's harder to meditate. It's harder to, in a way, be courageous. It's harder to really dedicate ourselves to it. And so, you know, I would say this is on retreat. In a way, we have this kind of how to take care of ourselves, but also how can we have the courage to go a little beyond. And that's what I experienced when I was in America last year, in March. I was doing a month retreat in silence with a group of other teachers. And I was very keen. I was very keen, very enthusiastic, you know, getting up early and sitting all day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. And then within three days, I got ill. And it was not so easy. So my enthusiasm somewhat kind of went down a bit. But I continued with the practice because I felt I had this opportunity. I wanted really to apply it. And this is to, in a way, it doesn't mean I was not in pain. It doesn't mean I was not trying to find way to have less pain. It was something to do with the food and my stomach. But and so to take it maybe a little easier at time, go for more walks. But at the same time, there was still this courage to do it because it was important and it helped me to go beyond just wanting to be comfortable and to wanting to always be at ease. And actually, the, the meditation, the retreat was very rewarding. And I think. A retreat generally will require for us to go a little beyond what we're comfortable, what we are at ease with. And in a way, what is kind of blocking us? What is it? Why do we need this courage? And it's because we grasp. And to me on retreat, it's very interesting to look at what is it I am grasping at? And why am I grasping at it? I think this is two interesting questions. It's not saying don't grasp, because I think this is a very natural thing, kind of a tendency we have, and I'll talk more about this in the next few days. But in a way to notice when you feel during the retreat a little blockage, a little kind of, uh, something is not working, or I feel kind of, uh, what is it? I would say at that moment, what is it you're grasping at? And then to question, why am I grasping at this? Why am I grasping at this thought? Why am I grasping at this feeling? Why am I grasping at this sensation? Because if you really look at it, you don't need to. 
I think in a way there's a strange feeling that I need to grasp at this thought. I need to really worry about this. Why is this feeling? I, I, I need to feel it. I need to... It's too much. But trying to see if you can bring a little space by looking at why am I grasping at this, but not in an analytical way, but asking in this moment, in this experience, why am I grasping at this? What is need in this very moment to do that? And in this way, I think, if we kind of start to, in a way, question a little this kind of uh, the grasping, what is it that kind of we're grasping at, how we're grasping at it, then it seems to me we can be with experience and life differently. We can be, in a way, in a more spacious way. I know sometimes we talk of space and people say, but what do you mean by this space? And I think it is a feeling of, in a way, flowing, a feeling of being with, of engaging, but in a, in a way which is loose, which is, there is no tightness. And to me that was interesting, going to Korea by myself for 20 days. Because generally when I go traveling for myself, doing some research, I can predict that at some point I will feel uptight, if not downright angry, and not be very nice, or feel very lonely. Generally this effort. And so I was expecting, I thought, well, I go for 20 days in Korea, on my own, this is going to happen. So I was wondering, you know, how is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And it did not happen, whatsoever, even though sometimes, you know, circumstances were not always as I wanted them or whatever, and it did not happen. And to me this was interesting, that quality, because it's a very minor feeling. But at the same time, as an experience, it can be quite different to be with him just as they were. And I think when I arrived, I made that decision. Even before I left, I made that decision. I am just going to be with how things are. And of course, try to kind of, you know, make things move in some ways. But I'm not going to go into doing incredible research or this, that and another. I just go and see and kind of throw things and see how it goes. And in that way, I accomplished a lot. And it was kind of like it worked. There was a flow to it. And to me, this is a thing with grasping. And often in grasping, there is expectation. We want things to be a certain way. We want to accomplish this great thing. Or we want this to be really worthwhile. Or to really, really do this. And often this really blocks us. And I think in the retreat, but also in our daily life. How can we try to have that intention for this engagement, this vivid engagement, but without the grasping, the expectation that comes with it? And it was interesting because at the second day I was there, I was meeting all kinds of people, doing all kinds of things. <coughs> and I was looking for a temple. Because in that temple there is this nun, who is an amazing practitioner. And I had not met her in 25 years. 
and I wanted to see her and she was in that temple, I phoned, she was there and I could visit. So I go looking for this temple. But the place is totally different. It is a sea again of building and apartments and roads and nothing is the same whatsoever. Impermanent but mega, mega impermanent. <laughs> the only thing I can recognize is little wall, ancient wall that has not been moved. And so I go here, I go there. I mean, I thought it would take me 10 minutes to get to find it. It took me an hour to find that kind of, I was being said. And at the same time, I thought, you know, well, okay, let's go here, let's go there. Kind of trying. I thought at some point I should find it. And finally I find it. And finally I met this wonderful nun who was taking a bath because I was not coming, so she went to have a bath anyway. So I wait a bit and then she appears. And then she smiled, and she had this amazing presence. And she's a great practice. She's really very special presence. And I wanted to talk about practice. I mean, I've come all this way, you know, I thought, you know, let's see, can, you know, what about practice? And she looked at me, practice? There is nothing to say. So I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to continue doing this week together with you? But we'll see. Nothing to say. The only thing is to do it. You sit in your daily life, in your meditation, on retreat, outside of retreat, whatever, you do it. Nothing else. Nothing to say. So we just sat there smiling at each other. <laughs> but I found it worthwhile. And my friend, because I went around with my friends, sometimes they had to teach me. I would just kind of meet the people, take a picture, be with them, and that was enough. They would say, but, I mean, don't you want something more here? But I just wanted to be with these people. I just wanted to be with them, be in their presence. And don't let us really talk about it. And, and again, I think this was very much part of this spaciousness, of this courage to not grasp and really be with a person as they were. And then the last quality is questioning. And Stephen will talk quite a bit about that. This is his forte. He's very ready to question it. But I think questioning is very important. In a way, this idea of path and pathless we talk about, that in a way the path, we have to walk on the path, but at the same time we have not to be stuck on the path. I think this is a thing. Kind of how can we use the path to make us advance and how not to be stuck on the path. And so when I was in Korea, I wanted to meet a good friend of mine, again, another good practitioner, a monk, but I could not meet him, because at the moment also, this is another thing in Korea, that the temple, especially the monks, are getting very wealthy. They have fancy cars, lots of money, I mean, I kept being given lots of money, which I then passed on to the next person, to recycle a bit this money. And so some monks are worried about it. And my friend, the one I was looking for but did not meet, decided, I thought this was wonderful. As an ex in a way, to me, it exemplified faith, courage, and questioning. That with this body, for the next three months, they were going to beg. And that was, and this is, they don't beg in Korea anymore. People just give them lots of money. They don't need to beg. But he wanted to just go begging. And that's all he would do, go begging for three months with his buddy. So you never know where he's going to be. They just walk from one place to the next and, 
you know, sit outside if there is no place to be or go to a temple or whatever. And I think what he was trying to do would actually be an example of a certain kind of renunciation with this being lost. And to me, in a way, he was trying not to question intellectually, because he tried that and it did not work, but he was trying with his being to question, to question this wealth, to question a certain way of living, and how could we come back to something more simple, something more of a kind of a renunciate life. And, and in a way, I thought it was wonderful I could not meet him, because he was questioning the status quo. He was questioning what was happening in his very being, in his very life. And even when I met at the conference, gave a talk on Samatha and Vipassana in the Theravada tradition. And I wondered, but what does she do? I mean, in Korea, you're supposed to question. I'll talk maybe later on, I will bring this in the instruction, that you just sit in meditation and you ask, what is this? What is this? What is this? And everybody we know was telling me about, what is this? What is this? That's all they do. My friend, when she gets up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, what is this? What, that's what she does. But this man was talking about Derivada and awareness and this and so What does she do? So I went to see her and said, oh, what do you practice? She said, well, I practice awareness practice. And I said, but what about the question? What about what is this? She said, I don't do it. And I said, but why? She said, well, it doesn't really work. Why doesn't really work fasting? And so it was interesting. She said, awareness practice, which is, I feel it is a little true what she was saying. Awareness practice is much more uh, kind of evident. You try to be aware of your feeling, of your sensation, of your thought. You try to be aware of the breath. You try to be aware of the sun. And you can see the result relatively fast. And that's why I do this. And nowadays in Korea, many people will do that because it works better. But the, the why do the question, it takes too much time before you awake. <laughs> so, you know, I dropped it. And I was trying to tell her that I was myself doing the question and the awareness together. This she could not. So, I mean, we did not have the time to really look into that. But I thought this is interesting. I thought this was very interesting. And I think this is for us to question in our practice of meditation. It's in a way to use this retreat as an opportunity to explore. How does this work for me? To explore the idea in the morning with Stephen, but also in the meditation. I will bring different objects during the week for you to try all these objects, but also for you to see what you've done before, what has really helped you, and to really, in a way, question meditation itself. How do I do it? Is it beneficial? Is it helping me? If I do this, does it seem to help more? If I do that, does that seem to be less easy, or a little more dull? And so in a way, very much for you also to use this questioning within your practice, to really use this retreat to experiment, and to really, in a way, become your own teacher, your own guide. So in a way, we give suggestions, and then it's for you to really question, to really apply it. <coughs> and so within that, to in a way question, maybe what is it that blocks us? 
What is it that we grasp at which blocks us? Also, how do we live? How do I approach myself? How do I approach meditation? And in a way, to bring to that questioning, to be careful and to be caring. I think this is very important. That the questioning is about not what I would call a perverse existential reasoning, which getting together with negative feelings send us into this kind of meaninglessness. What is life all about? Everything is meaningless. To be careful that questioning does not feed into a certain negative kind of spiral. I think one has to be very careful there. So in the questioning to bring the carefulness, the caring, and within that to notice what is one of the, what I would say, one of the big blocks when we meditate, big block in our lives, is judging, misery, comparing. If only mind. So during this time, during this retreat, I would really hope that with the help of the faith, the courage and the questioning, you notice and you try to bring a little spaciousness in this kind of uh, judging of oneself, judging of others. Judging yourself for not being good enough, for not meditating well enough, for not being aware enough, or <coughs> not spacious enough, or whatever. To be careful about that. At any given time, we're doing the best we can. I think this is very important. So in a way to kind of notice, questioning the judging, questioning the comparing. Some people, I don't know, I have not kind of looked at everybody, but I know that although you're supposed to kind of, you know, be eyes as closed and looking in front of you, I know sometimes people have a tendency to look at what other people are doing. And sometimes they think, oh, this person is sitting so well, you know, and they don't move whatsoever, and I can't stop fidgeting or whatever. And again, not comparing. You know, they are where they are at. You don't know what's in their mind. I mean, they could be all over the place. You know, and you might, even in your fidgeting, be very present. So be careful with the comparing mind. Be careful with the measuring mind. The little person saying, Oh, this is not a good meditation, or this is a good one, or this should be better, or whatever. You know, we have this measuring mind. Can we let it go a bit? Can we, in a way, question that measuring mind? We don't need to measure. We just need to be here and try to see what we can do in this moment. And also to be aware of the if-only mind. And that's an interesting mind. If only... My cousin was better. If only the teacher was a little, you know, I don't know, more vibrant or more enlightened or I don't know what, you know, then really this retreat would be so much better. If only I was not having this feeling, this thought. Whatever, this is the way it is in this moment. In a way, to me, this is, we have to deal with the situation at hand, but we've bring to this situation in this moment this faith in ourselves, this faith in our potential, this faith in the practice, the courage to actually do something, the courage to sit, just the courage to sit here, and also the questioning in this moment of what is it that blocks us. So, that's what I wanted to say today. Are there any questions? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.